This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha! Wow. Welcome to episode number 37 of the Breaking Normal podcast, which is pretty amazing because it means if someone hasn't listened to all the episodes or if this is your first episode or second or whatever it is, that you can make a miracle ritual around listening to this podcast for a whole moon cycle. And my faith with that is it would really brainwash you would really brainwash you for success. I mean that's what I trust I'm doing. I trust I'm brainwashing myself for success by surrounding myself with people that I'm inspired by that have spent so much of their lives and quality time focusing on their dharma and their passion and producing content and media and stories around that that will forever upgrade humanity. That's my faith, that's my trust. And this podcast, some of y'all may know about um, what I'm also known for as being a walking synchronicity. This one will really illuminate what that means. I'm not even going to talk too much about what, what you're about to experience, but just hold on to your horses. And even though this might not make sense to your mind, see if it resonates with your heart. And that's what it's a lot about. It's a lot about people that are in tribe design communities or whatever kind of communal living situation that you might find yourself in, how to step into an elevated state of health through honesty and heart sync over groupthink. I'm very passionate about it. My grandparents survived the Holocaust, and I feel like it's given me the freedom to speak about it publicly. Just like one of the previous episodes, since I so happen to be circumcised, I feel like I deserve to be on the stage and talking about the monstrosity of this norm that it is time to break, along with many of my episodes about topics that it's time to break the normality of these ridiculous mimetics. And uh, if you all know what any of that means, definitely check out <laughs> Breaking Normal, the book. Feel free to check out the American Circumcision podcast. I mean, really, each episode is littered with truthful perspectives that I think are beyond cultural conditioning. And I trust it's inspiring you to elevate beyond any kind of ancestral trauma patterns or limitations projected on by peers or preachers or teachers or your parents even. And uh, really find out who you really are and why you're really here and to make the most of it. If that resonates with you and, you, and that you feel like that's happening for you by listening to these transmissions with these amazing people, then please share this uh, podcast, uh, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, especially on iTunes, that's really reverent to the uh, gods of the internet. It's known as algorithms that seem to use the law of attraction to amplify what's most relevant. Isn't that interesting? Um, and yeah, definitely feel free to tag me if you share any of the uh, podcasts on your Instagram stories. That's a great way for them, for the vitality uh the, vir the virality of vitality. The Instagram stories are pretty special, and I love seeing which messages resonate most with y'all. So thank you. And I'll also leave a teaser to the Breaking Normal book at the end of the episode that you can find on Audible or Amazon. The way I suggest uh, experiencing it is to go out in nature on an epic hike or listen to it while getting an epic massage um, because I spoke it into existence. And... I believe we're all speaking many things into existence, especially whatever we're convicted enough to charge with emotion and passion and 
really mean what we say and say what we mean. So I trust this episode will encourage you to do even more of that and to keep breaking normal and to see you on the other side beyond cultural conditioning um, to a a transcendent truth. Much love, y'all. Keep breaking normal. Peace. Oh, yeah, and I almost forgot. Not really. How can one forget something if they remember it? I think a more accurate way of saying is I remembered that I forgot. Anyways, I remembered to tell y'all that the outro at the end of this podcast is actually very much revolved around tribe design and what is a tribe to me, and that so is the episode, and you'll see why. And on that note, we got big news. Uh, the next tribe design is going to be June 13th in Colorado, and we've already had a family and other amazing people sign up uh, while the early bird special is still available, and it's still available as of today when I'm making this recording. It's basically we're aiming for a property within 100 miles of the Red Rocks Amphitheater um, so that at the conclusion we can celebrate at the uh, Trevor Hall Naco Bear Show. It's a big deal. I mean, I don't know if we've ever had this many people sign up before we've actually announced the exact location. And they actually signed up before knowing the exact date. So that tells you something about the momentum of Tribe Design as an entity with our 12th event coming up. So if you feel inclined to join us and if money is at all a factor, definitely apply ASAP so you can get the early bird special as we're offering that up until we secure the final property. We know the dates, June 13th or the 16th, concluding with a celebration at the show for anyone that wants to join after the tribe design's over. And I trust that if you're feeling the call, you're going to answer because that's something that's a practice. One gets better at or worse at. Are you practicing following your heart and your dreams or are you practicing doing the opposite? Let's see if this episode illuminates that for you. Much love to y'all. See you in Colorado. Star Labs is have a rebirthing episode. Just wow, wow. Screaming. Rebirthing. That's so funny. That's been the theme of the day. I pressed record. I don't know exactly where we'll start it. But, oh, um, right. yeah. Zach said happy rebirthday to me today. Oh, After we did the breath work on the yeah, beach and he said yeah. that to me. And I've been saying that and you just happy said it. Happy rebirthday. Yeah. I, I worked with this woman, um, Jessie Torgerson, who just kind of teaches like breath work. That's all she really calls it. But it's really similar, I found out, to the rebirthing exercises. It's just like activating your parasympathetic nervous system. And, um, yeah, now I can hear my, my breath on it. <laughs> That's it, it sounds, I think you're at a good spot. That We'll have a yeah. little breath in there. It's and Okay. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> I just, just like hear it when I go... <sighs> now you are referencing rebirthing. Are you referencing yeah. the show? Or what are you no. referencing with rebirthing exercises? Rebirthing exercises is from what I've heard. I've never like done it. Okay. But uh, what I was talking about with Jesse is that she does this. Um, you're just laying there and you just keep what she teaches is you breathe in through your mouth and out through your mouth heavily, fully, completely relaxing and just dropping into whatever comes up. Basically, as she explains it, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is how you, which is your, like your fear digestion like your fear digestive system so like you have anxieties and fears and they get like locked in like your muscles and whatnot and then your parasympathetic nervous system like all that gets brought up and then you deal with it you drop into it you drop through it by breathing and uh you usually throw a tantrum and then um it goes away 
Yeah, I do. I was that's what I was across the street talking to the local yoga instructor about all these breath yeah. work experiments I do. And uh, welcome to the show, everyone. By the way, and welcome yeah. to the Breaking Normal podcast. I bet this is like around episode number forty. 41. This is actually marks the episode where uh, Greg and I had a deal to, I think. Yeah. So this, you're like maybe the first episode where we get to re... Oh, renegotiate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, so for everyone knows, I'm here with Kyle Allen. Um, let me explain real quickly <laughs> how we got connected, if I can. I've been on a bender, like a socialite bender through Los Angeles, recording podcasts when they're aligned, came here to interview Naveen Jain. That was my intention. Got that done. But there's been literally like so many bonuses uh, that just keep happening after that experience. And finally, I was going to walk outside my Airbnb that has this door. It's like the door is marked with the symbol of infinity and mm-hmm. like take it's just all these beautiful sayings and quotes around time and the infiniteness of it and to take time to enjoy the small things in life. And when I was going to walk outside and potentially book my flight, um, Greg is talking to someone outside. And I, there is something like there's this uncanny familiarity I have. I'm, like, I'm not sure. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? And uh, sure enough, I've been studying this show. The most recent show that I studied was Wild Wild Country. Have you seen that by any oh, chance? Yes. You saw that? Nice. <laughs> you really are studying. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Great, great. So this is going to be a good topic um, yeah. for anyone that's into studying the ethics and the strategies and the psychology of cult building or movement building mm-hmm. or ecosystems yeah, or tribes yeah. or whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, or corporations or sports teams. It all depends how we look at this. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's gangs, and I mean they're all they're all the same thing. And, we, yeah, yeah. And the, on that note, the show that I've been watching most recently, and I've been even like literally using that show as a drug in a way, mm-hmm. because after this like disorienting tornado or vortex of amazing connections with all these different peoples from different places and spaces in my life. I could like go back to the show. I'm like, oh, I've been watching this like at home when mm-hmm. I, everything. It's like an mm-hmm. anchor of like reorienting myself and doing something that I've been putting intention to is in watching the show. One of the main characters in the show's name is Hawk, and um, after about five minutes of chatting with Kyle here, we it was I think Greg, which I would love to. I'll just uh, brag about. Kyle in this way if I understood what Greg said he bragged about him in the same way too you know he's like you know Kyle's uh by Vogue magazine is that correct oh yeah yeah oh that that's right yeah by Vogue magazine two or two or three years ago um it was uh what did they say top top 12 actors under 25 to watch on TV. I think it's because we're all on like digital networks or something like that. That was just like taking a handful of us from digital networks and being like, "Good job, guys." <laughs> and and Greg said that Kyle's very humble, and I'll, I'll agree with that as well. That uh, he's I, also you know, let me tell you, I've been watching the show, like I said, <laughs> and it's amazing. All of a sudden, this guy that I've been spending in bed with me last night shows up at my front door in front of the infinity symbol we found out he is hawk from the show the path yeah and i started a hulu membership to watch it so i was like whoa this synchronicity i'm like wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute what's happening right now yeah i was uh that that yeah that show is actually filled with a bunch of bizarre synchronicities for me as well um i i found out like a 
we were shooting season two we were shooting at this place that had all of these hawks in Brooklyn, in the middle of Brooklyn, there's just like this, there's this kind of churchyard with like these old Dutch graves that are decaying. Like no one knows, like no one has lineage to those people. I'm sure they do, but like they don't know. And so they're just like these grave sites that aren't taken care of and these grave stones from like hundreds of years ago that are just like falling apart. And so it's like this big field, but it's also a um, considered like a historical site. So they haven't like built over it or anything. They're still trying to use it as a church and chapel and whatnot. Um, but the field's overgrown. So that's like where all the rats are hanging out. So that's where all the hawks are hanging out. And so you just had, we had like, there'd be like eight hawks just like around these beautiful hawks. And I posted online. Cause I was like, ha, I'm hawk. There's a hawk. LOL. Like, yay. And their uh, Instagram and someone was like, I bet it's your spirit animal. And so I like looked it up. I was like, what's spirit? And what is this? Um, I was like, I'm curious, yeah, what, what, what does the internet say my spirit animal is? And it was like, I took like four or five of them, and it was all like, hawk, 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 hawk. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> so it was just a fun, fun story. Yeah, there. I'm, I'm sure, like you said, there's probably so many of those fun, synchronous stories that we can tell uh, about this connection of the path. I've been making the reference uh, lately yeah, how I've yeah. been looking into the light and seeing yeah. the ladder. <laughs> Real briefly, how would you describe, what for anyone that hasn't seen the path, because people have been asking oh, yeah. me, and I've been oh, explaining it, but yeah. I'd love to hear it from you I while I'm here with um, you. I was, I was thinking it was... Uh, this family, an important family in the middle of a spiritual movement that's convinced itself it's not a cult. It definitely is a cult. Um, and it's about like the trials and tribulations of, of belief and what that can do to like a tribe of people. Um, like, you know, what happens when you don't believe anymore? What happens when you have doubts? Like, is there room for that? You know, what's it like when you try to expand a religious movement it, it, down to the legalities of that, which you get into in like season two and three, um, when the when the movement starts to, to change and alter in all these unexpected ways, you're like, what what what's the real world ramifications of building an effective like a religion or a movement or whatever you want to call it? And if y'all know me as somewhat as well as I know myself, as at least I think I know myself, you'll probably know why I'm interested in this yeah. show. It resonates deeply in so many ways. It's it's really focusing on uh, the subtleties of cult building and the ethics of it. And uh, and like you said, it's, I love it. I love it. And you you play a great. You're amazing. You're amazing in there. So it's an Thank honor you. to be Thank here you. with you. Yeah, I, I mean that that first season, especially here, you say that as I was, I had no idea what I was doing. I was still figuring out how to act. Period. Yeah, well, there's I I'm I would say that the essence that you embodied in the season that I've seen so far, which is the first season. It seems not too far off yeah, from yeah. spending time with you. When in doubt, I was like, your character's really confused. He's just really, really profoundly confused on every level. Like, hormonally, emotionally, um, spiritually. Like, And it's just confusion. Like, top to bottom. And then, what playing that role... Um, what that mean to you personally? And I, 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 I'll I'll let you go because yeah. I have so many questions. Let me hear that your first answer, please. Well, I it, no, it it uh, that 
that changed changed my life. I didn't feel like I was that far from him. Um, because as soon as I started studying, like I was studying up on the characters, so you're studying up on cults, and you're like, people in cults don't realize they're in cults. They think they're normal. Like they think they're they're regular to like a certain degree. They don't think they're like weird. They think like the rest of the world is weird. Like kids that grow up in cults, like that's all you know. You just know that like you have a because Hawk is forced to go to regular school and he just like listens to what he's told. So he's like kind of disassociated. So he's just not aware that anything he's doing in his life is like bizarre or wrong entirely. He he just you're just disassociated so you're just like really clueless and like really vulnerable you're not like a cult like that's not a character like it's just a person in a circumstance but it also changed my life i was living on a couch before i got that part nice yeah what whose couch what was that scene like um yeah (laughs) so i uh a family friend who's a choreographer uh name's John Clifford. He invited me. I was injured, just got out of ballet school. Um, and I didn't want to dance. I went to ballet school, so I didn't have to like live at home was, was ultimately why I continued to go there and then fell in love with the craft later on and then kind of got out and graduated. And every, everyone else goes into, you know, either like a dance college, uh, like, 2% of kids go into a dance college and everyone else goes into a ballet company. Like that's why you go to that school. So you can get into a a ballet company. And I was like, I really don't want to go to a ballet company like at all. And so I was in LA just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Cause that was, that was my only lead. And I, I, there was no way I was going to college. I just couldn't. Well, this is something me and you have in common. I was at a very similar space when um, I went to Emory University and I completed the pre-med yeah. program and took the MCATs and then I was like, wait yeah. a minute. I don't really... Yeah. Like, I don't actually... I started waking up to like, what do yeah. I want to do? You're talking about signing me up for another four years to pay to do something right. I don't even want to do? I, I mean, it was also nuts because like perfect time with that with like my dad was in real estate like just at a low entry level of real estate and then the market crash and like all this crazy shit happened in my family and then like we had no money and so like they couldn't make me go to college because they couldn't pay for college and like I wasn't gonna go like take any tests like I wasn't about to take out a loan like loans ruined my family kind of thing um oh Hi, Madison. <laughs> All right. So the synchronicities are so strong that they even not made a commercial break, but just like a a conscious a, a conscious break. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, Madison, uh, Kyle's girlfriend, walked in, yeah. and I got to learn about how they met. And I yeah. can you just let's go ahead. Let's can you retell yeah. that story? Yeah, it's, yeah, good, yeah. it's definitely good enough. So I was I was talking when I I lived in New York for a number of years for the Path. I think it was the second season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was before. Um, I won't spoil anything for you. Um, yeah. So second second season, uh, and I was talking to the the front desk guy at um, in my building, and just chatting and stuff. I was like talking to him, and then Madison didn't know uh, walks in, 
um, with the dog, and she's dog walking. I didn't know. I thought it was her dog. I didn't. I didn't I thought she lived in the same building as me, and so she goes by, and I like say hi to the dog, and like we notice each other, and like I'm still in the middle of talking to to my friend, and then she goes down the hall into the elevators which is like an l shape and so like away for me and i'm like trying my best to like finish this conversation with my friend in order to like you know go talk to her like serendipitously end up in the elevator with her um and i'm too late and she's gotten in the elevator but like someone also so both elevators are going up and one of them goes to five and one of them goes to 16 and so i'm like i think it was this one i was like the 16th floor and i was like great got it i thought it was so smart and then i thought to myself what what do i do with that information just go like knock on every door on the 16th floor go camp out on the 16th floor like what what am i gonna do with that you can't ask like hey can i have a list of everyone that lives on the on the 16th floor and then try and judge by their names who this person was um so i was like well she lives in the same building she doesn't um and so I didn't see her for like another two weeks and just kind of rode it off. And then I, I would ride my skateboard around everywhere. That, that was my car. That is my car in New York. Um, it is the best means of transportation by far. You go on the sidewalks, on the streets, on the bike paths, bring it into the subway station. Like it's, it's the best way to get around. Um, That's what I used to ride in college. Yep. Yep. That's a genius. It's a longer, more comfortable skateboard. So if you don't mind not doing tricks, you're your set anyways i go and i'm i ride past her and she's walking the same dog and then i i go past her probably like 30 40 feet on the sidewalk and i'm just like i think to myself uh you may never see this person again so i just like screw it screw it i'm just gonna just gonna go up to her and you know see what happens and so i just turned around like i went way past her and i just turned around like skated right in front of her like i think i was like hi do you live in the building or something like and she was like no and i I either led with that or i just straight up said um hi i have no friends do you want to hang out um inside somehow her energy was like this will be okay to say. Um, and it was. And she was like, yeah, no, I don't have, I don't have friends either. So, so sure. So, so sure. Let's hang out. I, I think I talked to her more. I was like, you're a dancer. Cause I could tell, cause I was a dancer. I could tell that she was, she was a ballerina just the way she carries herself. Um, and so we talked about that. Um, but the weird part about it is that she had seen me and I had become known to like her and like her mom that would come and visit and her friends and her sister. I, I became known as Longboard Boy because she had like saw me and I guess like talked about me. Um, it's funny because I was like married to my longboard. I, uh, and the other weird part about it was that I had named um, my longboard Madison. And her name is Madison. And that was bizarre. Because I had a Madrid longboard and it said Madrid on the, on like etched into the grip tape. Um, and so the Drid part 
or the RID part had like worn off and gotten like broken up first. And so it just said mad. And I was like, oh, mads. And I was like, you got to give it like, it's like a boat. Like it has to have a she name. And so it was like, this is my board's Madison and I can call her mads. And that was my board. And then that's, I became longboard boy. And then I met her and my board was named Madison and the nuttiest part was and as I was skating up to her she's kind of fumbling with her phone like a year later we talk about it and she was like yeah so I was being creepy and I like I took took a picture of you to like send to my friends and be like I found him this longboard boy and I had like yeah and so we literally have a picture of me like skateboarding in the summer my back's to her literally we have a picture 10 seconds before we met and like 10 seconds after she takes that picture I turn around and we meet that was like three years ago wow and uh, what do you think about all this and how this relates to the rungs on the ladder oh that's an inside, <laughs> how, that's do, an how does it how does it sync up with the pack for the <laughs> path, the followers of the path the, on the, the Myrists <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't think I synced it up to that. Perfect. Yeah, that was I'm just sure a bonus. But I'm curious what it really that. means to you, regardless of that. And yeah. if there is an involvement, that'd be fun to explore. Yeah, it, it it was just kind of. I mean that that was that. We found it all out later. I didn't even process that her name was Madison. I like named my board that because I just called it Mads for so long. What's so funny about that is mm-hmm. when she walked in here, I thought they told me her name was Medicine. Medicine. And I was like a little like, whoa. Like mm-hmm. it was a, a, a disorienting, awesome experience. And then finally I was like, wait, so your name is Medicine. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's Madison. And I was like, oh. So I had the same – I didn't process exactly what her name was either. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, you said something about she – I knew she was a ball, uh, into ballet because of the way mm-hmm. she carried herself. What, mm-hmm. what do you, I would like to also explore that when we can. Oh, for sure. Just like the dance background? Whatever. Because I, I can recognize – I believe I have uh, a gift to recognize patterns of energy, especially mm-hmm. in humans. So I, I sometimes like, yes, yeah, sir, for – Swimmer. I now, see. ballerina, I see. how do you... <laughs> well, it's like... Um, I would say specifically, I mean, I, I grew up in like a ballet academy, like a Hogwarts for classical ballet. Um, and so from 13, you're you're doing a pas de deux, which is you're partnering. You're, you're dancing. You know, you'll, you'll have like a class where they teach you how to do like promenades and turns and jumps and carrying and... And stuff, and they, you have your partners, and you dance together. And sometimes you'll spend like, I remember one year I was I was partnered with this um, lovely dancer from Career Names was Say Hyun, uh, and we yeah we danced together for like all like both of the performances. So we spent tons of time rehearsing and stuff like that. And so I would say because of that, you're kind of have like this beautiful dancing intimacy with people and with women um since from like 13 to 18 i was just completely like you just you did that like twice a week for hours you'd be or or more when you start rehearsing for stuff um and so in hindsight i think that's where it comes from um also dancers just look like dancers most of the time and then you get the classical training like you spend so much time like upright pressing your shoulders down your your hips are turned out 
Like your feet. And so you're like, you're naturally walking because you've literally like trained your legs from a very young age to be like, to be, you know, duck footed essentially. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that, I mean, that, that gives it away, but like that training is giving me like a sixth sense for dancers, like people that like other people wouldn't know they could dance. Like I always, I'm always aware, but with Madison's, it's pretty obvious she's walks like royalty mm, nice way to put that thank you queen b <laughs> i called i called deanna queen it's like b. grace she kind of floats it's rad so our uh, daughter is almost two, or no she just turned two just turned two and what do you would you suggest such, like a path <laughs> the path that you went <laughs> on with ballet <laughs> Um, to someone else's children and Oof. or what other activities what do you think creates the, the most at this point after going so in depth with ballet and movement mm-hmm. and dance what creates the best movement the most advantageous movement part or part uh patterns for a, a fresh being for a fresh being. <laughs> yeah Thanks for that no i i got you um gosh it really is dependent on on what you want to do dancing period if you can immerse yourself in dance that's phenomenal that'll serve you for the rest of your life i think gymnastics will as well but there's just like you're finding out about like the path like you see the darker side of tribe culture like you see the negative effects of that so with ballet and with gymnastics and you know i was part of both of those things there is a major dark side if you you can take those things too far um and that that can stunt you in different ways. So you can be incredibly adept mover, but like, and I was and am, but my struggles have been in a completely different place because of what I had to shut down in order to make that happen. Like make my body do those things, push myself through that pain, deal with like abusive teachers. Like they're not kind worlds you know, they produce, they produce results. Like you're a result oriented, like racehorse, you're a gladiator, you're a prize fighter. Like you have a bottom line is to perform. And so everything else kind of gets chucked out of the window. Um, but I, to be honest, I don't think it like exists in like a linear structured way with the best thing for your daughter to be. I mean, it's, yeah, it's rough. Like I, I can't, I can't prescribe a, like a Nirvana dance class for your, for your child. Like it's, I, well, I it's, guess I'm generally speaking because I, I hear you. I think gym, like what I have in mind for if I was going to generally prescribe great yeah. activities to start human beings exploring, I would something between where a little bit of all of these mm-hmm. and to see which one the person is most vibrant with, but like see, climbing. Yeah. Climbing is phenomenal, climbing. and I think actually climbing also has a really great culture. Yeah, as I agree. well. Like I don't I think agree. it has a toxic culture to the gr- the degree that other sports do. I think that's that sounds great to me, um, as well as martial arts. Um, I, I think has a better culture. I think rock climbing is probably nicer. And I also I just think. Um, I also think um, with martial arts, because it has this practical aspect to it, and it's a very, what I noticed I didn't expect when I started learning martial arts, like, you become so mortal. 
like you realize when you have a, like a good sensei and they just try something on you and you're like dead dead that move that lock that dead so easily so easily um at, and you're barely even paying attention you know and and you're just he does one move and you're like my arm's broken in so many places like all irrevocably like that this will never make a full recovery if you do this like specific arm bar on me that's really easy to get into someone with minimal training can accomplish it and in a real life situation like you're done and and uh so i think with that comes like um a, a maturity like you're you're closer to yourself i think if you really get into martial arts and therefore like you have to confront your mortality and i think when you confront your mortal body you're not as mean to people you realize how like fragile people are which is well, really i did not expect to find that out through martial arts but i think that's why it would be less of a toxic thing than dancer and what um, do you are you more passionate about like a specific path of not like this path of me who got yeah. going the path yeah. of martial arts a specific path of martial um arts? I don't know I never belonged to like a dojo uh, I mean I I've had a really great self defense slash karate aikido instructor I've had a really fantastic boxing instructor. Um, and my current instructor it teaches me everything from wushu to kali to muay thai to um, you know eskrima Filipino martial arts is what we've been mainly focusing on. That's the one that gets you. It's like just deadly, instantly. Yeah, and it's nuts. I mean, that's such a crazy history of like the Filipino people and the Spanish trying to conquer the Philippines and their fighting style like they knew how to fight in the jungle like they're masters of guerrilla warfare and so they developed these techniques to defend themselves and they're just so effective at killing it's it's it blows my mind wow. that like I'm getting this tiny taste and it's so impactful to me how rough and deadly and, and brutal these these techniques are these these really old techniques that have been practiced for generations and generations and generations and i just have this taste of it and like people lived that like that's nuts sorry getting off topic just fascinates me well i like that i I like hearing that from you um man i would say swimming Swimming I think well. uh, yeah, I think swimming. And then is an upgrade right. would be surfing. So once someone is, feels like they love to swim, then I would also love uh, anyone yeah. to learn how to surf if they want to. I think that's a really beautiful thing to get into. Um, yeah, I I think dance with with caution. It just I I have not seen it. I've so rarely seen it done in a way that's really wholesomely conducive. Because it's a really it's not a. You sacrifice everything, and that's that's what's done. That's what your teacher expects most of the time. You sacrifice. You're not hanging out with friends. You're not crying. You know all of your outside problems. You get rid of them when you come into the studio, and like that's that. And so you learn to compartmentalize. You learn to suck it up. You learn to deal with the pain. You learn that you're worthless. You're replaceable. You're all these things, and and just dance. Go jump high. Turn fast. All right, that's great. This is great. Because <laughs> no, I, I, that's actually what I want to talk about is your um, your personal history of like what 
I guess what the show brought up for you, your personal mm-hmm. history and how that, how you felt like that was yeah. relevant to you in your life. And I have a challenge for you if you're mm-hmm. willing to consider mm-hmm. taking it. Sure. Um, to speak in the first person and the past about those experiences. All right. Like, like I am 18. I'm no. So like, instead of like, you know, when you're in this school, you become worthless. You become this. Like when I was in that school, I would, I felt worth. Yeah. 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 And put it in the past tense. Right. And so everyone knows that's like my, that's what I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. is like, if we're magicians and mm-hmm. we're casting spells with our words, yeah. I, and I don't know if I truly understand the power of what we're doing right now, but clueless. it seems limitless. Yeah. So I, I'm paying close attention to word patterns. I see. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's a powerful practice for anyone that's listening. I like, think it's fair. Yeah. When you approach a character in acting. That's and that's the other topic. To, to, uh-huh. Yeah. I want to explore with you like what you think about acting. Like, what do you think about all of us? Are we all acting all the time? Yeah. What's the difference between improving and what we're doing now? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I I want everyone. I I want to talk about that, but it might be as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. No. Yeah. There's just none. There's no. There's no difference. There's uh, weird details that are different, but largely it's. I mean, it's core. It's just the same thing. What are like, those weird details? What do you mean by like that? Like there's or, a camera. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, there's a camera where there's like an audience that paid, right? <laughs> versus just like the people that are around, you know. But like a paying audience wants to feel like they're just the people that are around. So if you can, if you, the, the craft of acting is just bringing that organic experience of like uh, what happens in a room when no one's watching, right? And then putting it where people are watching, but it's still feeling like it's in a room where no one's watching. I'm like, that's it. That's insanely difficult to do, <laughs> but that's it. You try and put organic in non-organic situations. You try and recreate the natural state of being, of, of grief, of anger, of, of whatever the circumstances of the writer tell you to. And this this idea of is it meta acting where someone embodies their role completely during from like start to finish of the filming? Uh, oh yeah, method method. method acting, I call yeah, it meta meta acting. <laughs> yeah, it all works. So what I find fascinating about that um, is like, and I think acting's like moving in this direction and and like how it's being taught. Um, it's it's like you got to do what works for you in order to get you to that place where you are bringing the thing, that, that truth of the character. Like when you see something phenomenal happen on the screen, like whatever gets that to happen, call it whatever you want. Call it method, call it this, call it, call it broccoli. As Larry Moss says, or Larry Moss says, someone else says, um, uh, and call it, call it broccoli. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like just, just if it works, use it. Like if it makes the truth of the scene come through, like that's, that's it. That's the way. So method, I mean, I might do a quote-unquote method thing. Like, I might go see how a character lives. I might go speak to someone in a cult. I might go behave that way just to understand how it works. Because, like, if I'm playing a character that's dealing with a struggle and I don't have anything to draw from that I deem is like that and my imagination can only get me so far, like, I mean, it's so inspiring and just to fill yourself up with the story of another person, if they're willing to share that with you. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, on a more subtle level, then, 
if everything, if we're always acting, then what is authenticity? I, well, I mean, that's like, why is there a separation between acting and authenticity? It's your behavior. It's like, it's who you are. But how would one know that they're not just playing the role of their past? I mean, everyone is playing the role of their, their past. Like, we're all just playing along, right? Like, I mean, that's 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 what this entire spiritual journey community is trying to figure out. It's like, you know, it's everything from nature versus nurture to like, what am I? Like the ego, like who's saying that in my head? Who am I? I mean, it's just, it's endless. So I, I, I mean, I think it's you know it's all it's all slightly nuanced and different but it's all exactly the same thing i can like the shattered windows of a cathedral <laughs> um rising up the spine of a boy with a panic attack <laughs> what is this seeing jesus and the snake be in harmony for the first time to find himself calmly laying on his stomach wow what is this that was an experience. That's <laughs> I, experience I decided to narrate the bullet points. I love it. Because I, 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 it started with me seeing through the, uh, like the win- like cathedral window shattering right, right. in my hip area, like my hips area. Gnar- gnarly. Yeah. What gnarly. an experience. <laughs> yeah, it was gnarly, man. I thought I was. I didn't know. I like. I could definitely see how people would call this a panic attack. I wasn't yeah. willing to call it that. And then I started right. seeing things like yeah. shattered cathedral windows. Fascinating. And my hips were <laughs> vibrating like they were on a pulse machine of yeah. sorts. Yeah. Wow. On my back. Yeah, Deanna. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I've told that story before on the back. <laughs> what about your story with this personal um, yeah. parallel of Hawk's experience and right. yours? Right, right. So, and like you even mentioned it. People don't know they're in a cult when they are. Yeah. Is that was that something? Yeah. yeah that's why let's tie those two together if we can. Right. Um, yeah. I think I was coming into another chapter of my life the same way like Hawk was. I mean, I was as a person just trying to figure out what is happening, what is going on. I still don't know, but I'm more comfortable in that pursuit of like, what is that? What are my words doing? Like hands, why do I call them hands? Like that's literally where I was at, and I don't, I don't feel like Hawks really anywhere different. And I don't think it it changes that much. I think you're always asking like these kind of existential questions, but like you just get more comfortable asking. Like you get used to not knowing what's happening, uh, and which makes it gives you a bit more confidence to do something. Yep, the wisdom of insecurity. Yeah. So I think in, in hindsight, that's where I was aligned with Honk. But I was actually, uh, first two years in L.A. before I booked the job, I was profoundly depressed. Like, like it was not, it was not pretty. Um, diagnosed with uh, bipolar depression, so saith the psychologist that my parents kind of shanghaied me into. I think it was literally my sister. My family was so worried about me. They, God bless them. My sister, I think, was like going to take me out to lunch or something. And I got in the car and then she just started driving and just didn't stop until we got to San Francisco from Los Angeles, which is about six hours. Oh, to see you and to to like go and take me to a psychologist with like my mom and dad. 
Hmm. So it's kind of like Shanghai me to like they were like we're worried about you. <laughs> and was that rightfully? Are you happy they did? What, what do you um, think about that? It was now? so strange because like I believed that my depression was a result of my questions. I was questioning like life too much and I was getting the answers that I didn't want to hear. And I just was bleak and I had a very nihilistic view and you know, it was just like, what's the point of anything? Like nothing means anything. And you're just like, blah, blah, blah. like none of, none of it matters. I'm just going to die. And like, that's it. Like everything's going to just disappear and whatever. And like, that's, that's what I found on the internet when I went searching and started asking myself those questions as people tend to do when they're like 18. Um, but yeah, I took a real hard, and, uh, I had read just enough about, like, reincarnation to, like, I don't know if I kill myself, that'll actually be the end. Like, I don't know. No one does. So I was like, what if it's worse? What if I, like, end my life and it's worse? And I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this then. And, like, that was just bad. I was just, it was, it was hell. Um, and did you share that with someone? Was that what you were experiencing? Yeah, if that? anyone asks, I, I, I just, you don't you did, care. You, you stop so caring. You, I would have walked. But you, you didn't care. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't. I stopped. I had stopped caring. Oh, that's a fascinating pattern. It is. Um, I can, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I had stopped caring. So I, I talked to about anyone, to, to anyone. Um, and you were telling them that's how you felt, and then yeah. did your parents catch wind of this, or is this what you were yeah. telling your parents as well? You yeah, if they, if they asked me, I'd be like, yeah, like I, I mean, like I'll die, and you'll be sad for a while, and then everyone will get over it, and like mm -hmm. that's that. Um, and that's that's how I, yes, that's how I felt at that time. Um, and that was concerning, and so they did what they knew to do, which was try and get me help. And it helped just like inadvertently. I was a total asshole to this really nice psychologist because I just began debating the futility of things with her. And everyone's telling me it was chemicals in my brain. And you're like, when it's chemicals in your brain, like you don't know it's chemicals in your brain. And it, so they were right and I was right. Is what I eventually figured out is that there was a thought, there was a hole that needed to be filled by certain things and understandings of life that I did not yet have, um, that I had to work really hard to find, just these cornerstones of things I could grab in my head to sort of brace myself in this world um, and just execute everyday tasks uh, that aren't futile. Like, there are things that are beautiful and meaningful, and, like, we give them that, and it's this weird, nuanced relationship that I think every person has to define for themselves. And it kind of allows you to just not be completely depressed at kind of like the futility of, of certain things. Um, and I needed to figure that out. But I had this negative thinking. And the negative thinking creates neuropathways. It creates a chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, and that is depression, which is a real thing. Like I became chemically imbalanced because of these thought patterns. Um, so it was both, and they were telling me it was just chemical, and like that's a lie. It's not just chemical. It's it's um, a real uh, like a disassociation I had with reality that I needed to fix myself. I needed to I needed to come to terms with certain things. I needed to let some things go. I needed to have uh, epiphanies, if you will, about like why things are the way they are and, and, and ways to organize them in my own head in order to 
to do this thing. So it was chemical in both. But what happened, weirdly, is that she gave me medication to take, and I, at one point I just said, screw it, I'll take it. And it was just that. That was like, that was just like, that was one tiny, that was like an inch forward. And I could feel myself just moving for the first time in, in, in like months and months of, of being miserably depressed. I was like, and the medicine can't kick in until weeks. Like it takes weeks and then you got to get another blood test and like adjust and like figure out exactly where the chemicals are. And like, that's how that whole process works. And I just felt myself like I did something for myself. I took a chance on myself and that was one that was, it was like a weird inadvertent step towards not being as depressed. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I'm talking so much. I'm so sorry. That's great. That's great. That's why I think I'm good at this. It's, oh, great. Well, you're uh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good listener and you're a good speaker. I hope so, because I'm doing it a lot. Um, <clears throat> so if someone finds themselves listening to that story and resonating with your past, the mm-hmm. story of your past in a suspiciously strong way, mm-hmm. do you have any have anything else to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd share... All I can do is, is share the things that got me out of it. Um, I think one was huge just because I was asking so many questions. Um, and it was, we're constantly asking questions and seeking answers and asking questions about the answers that we find and questioning the questions, you know, questioning the questions, questioning the answers. I was searching and then I was like, maybe the answers don't come from questioning. And that that took me aback and kind of forced me into a different way of feeling out my surroundings. It was less just straight, logical. One plus one is two, therefore I am finite and... Uh, I'm going to die, and that's that, and that's that. That's the end. Nothing matters. Blah blah blah. Like that's that's a very linear. Like if you just follow consistent logic, that's eventually where you end up. Terms which is a bleak place. Um. So what well, is you, that? If you, I, if some, I, you, I, well, you know, yeah. I'm saying you, and if yeah. you believe that you are this body, right, right, like the this body's. Yeah. This body's but, life is dependent upon your life and, and the then, evidence that exists in the in. To, to, to mankind, really, um, in the common th- uh, society, what, what most people believe. Um, and then the other was really simple. This, this kind of had this weird, incredible effect on me is that I realized that I, what upset me so much was there were so many different people there's so many different religions and spiritual paths and nuanced ways that all these different people telling me they're right and that this is what to follow this is what to do this is it and 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 important people you know respected people people that seem really happy people that seem like they've got it all figured out especially to like a young mind who's desperately searching for something to hold on to um i mean so like there's 
thousands and like weird stuff on the internet as well of like weird weird internet cults like i i was looking at everything like it's it's bizarre and i, I was just completely lost by it and then i just kind of had a thought of like it was all made up like everyone they might be right they might be wrong but they did make make it up being that they made up the words that we use like a bunch of humans that are no better and no worse than me or you made up the words that we use and it evolved over time and we just like I say we're gonna we're, we all just agreed that like this was this is this is hard we're like ah. <laughs> And, like, that's how that shit went down. And so everything from the government to every religion ever came from... <laughs> and then it was just built from there. And that was really liberating for me. Because I think a huge thing was, like, I didn't think I had the right to live my own life on my own terms. To be right about anything. But then someone will come along and tell you instead of doing this, if you do this, or if you do this, yeah. or if you do this, or if you yeah. do this, then you'll actually not, no longer have to deal with that confusion. Right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a give and a take. Like, you, you've got this language, but also, if every, if I can make up my own way to live out of what I see in this world, I can come to my own conclusions and they are valid. Which is, is kind of like a leap that I took that helped me get out of feeling so depressed. It gave me like my own experiences are valid. I was doubting everything that I saw and felt and like am, am I really having this emotion or is this just like this fictitious thing that's happening due to chemicals in my brain? And you're like, well, I'm experiencing it this way and that means a certain thing to me and like you're allowed to have that and you're allowed to make your own judgments figure it out for yourself have you watched the movie rounders with matt damon and edward norton no uh, no that's on have that's you ever played poker yes oh it's all about poker if you've played poker you yeah. will especially like it all right all right um, if I can project upon you with the yeah. news there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's on it's on my list. I have I have like eight things on my Netflix to watch list and that's one of them. Oh, is that I wonder if that's on Netflix. If it is, yep. I might watch that again. Well, I hope they haven't taken it off. Um but they talk there's a a line in the movie, I don't <clears> think this is a spoiler alert, it's more like a metaphor for her life. Gotcha. That if you don't know who the sucker at the table is <laughs> It's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that you might as well realize that's happening in like right now. Yeah. I think poker and surfing, I can like paint every metaphor that that's just a metaphor for life. Yeah. Both. Yeah. And if you don't know who the sucker is, you're it. And there's a, there's a reason there's a dealer and there's a really reason there's a sucker and we're all in a place. Yeah. Like it's Shakespearean then I feel like. Yeah. And there's a guy, that, yeah. <laughs> that screws everyone and lying gets you so far and, and just playing it chill gets you so far and on that note anything else on your heart um, that seems relevant that you would like to <laughs> yeah I mean that that uh, just talking about the depression thing kind of got me started on that that kick of um, the stuff that gets you out of there I, yeah I think the language one was huge and then um 
that I like a love and and connecting to another person, really profoundly connecting to another person. Um, is possible. Um, for the most depressed people, uh, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was real. And there's chemicals involved, but like it's it's so much more. It's a real thing. And I experienced it and continue to do so on an ever-deepening level. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is people have gone through what you're going through and worse, and they live incredibly happy lives after. And I actually think I'm, I'm grateful just about every day that I went through what I went through and was that, that depressed as an incredible gift. So yeah, I hope that perspective can assist someone. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, I mean, this is one of these moments that I could talk about how crazy this is. And I'm also feeling like might be beyond, beyond words. Gratitude is also great with me too. Yeah. I think most of the best things you can't don't words don't touch. Words are finite. One question bubbled mm. up from there's like a residual question yeah. I made I wanted to ask earlier and I didn't. Were you studying acting when you were doing ballet and dance and movement or was without acting? without knowing it. <laughs> Without knowing it, I was. Yeah. So when did you decide? Like, how did you land a role? Like, what was like? I am. I'm also imagining you're like. I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go to there's there. I'm gonna do this acting thing. And then yeah, like, how yeah. sudden did all it this happen? It was nuts. Um, yeah. So I came out here. Was just taking classes and whatnot. And I thought I'd get on um, L.A. Casting, which is a what casting website. You pay like twenty five bucks a month, and then you get all these like job listings of like yeah 50 bucks to the short film like you know 200 dollars for this industrial commercial and up to, up to like five ten thousand dollars for you know non-union commercial um oh paying those different membership prices allows you to be oh no, no. these this is what you get paid for oh, the job. okay but it's gotcha, a set gotcha. like 20 25 bucks um okay. at least yeah, i think was. i've heard about this at one yeah. point i think i almost did, can probably did yeah. something similar like i'll do this yeah but i, did, I don't think and I so through. i i thought like if you can get on there i was like okay i'll like a dancer and i can like juggle and i could do stunts and i can tumble i can do all this weird stuff i was like i could probably pick up like an extra couple bucks being like a commercial doing a backflip or something i don't know um i didn't know what i was doing and I ended up, like, you just submit for anything you think you can do. Like, you're like, oh, I could probably pull that off. Oh, I could probably pull that off. And they, they give you the descriptions of the job. And then they'll, if they like your the stuff that you put on, like, you know, your pictures or whatever, and then you write a message, and, and, and they'll call you in, and then you audition for it, and then they'll call you and be like, you got the, you know, part or whatever. And I ended up booking, like, a ton of random on-end acting jobs and, like, did this headphones industrial commercial, did like a Toyota commercial, did like a, this crazy Pepsi 
commercial for Japan. <laughs> and I was like, this is sick. Um, uh, so I was doing all this like acting stuff that uh, like was there was movement on some of them and then there was just just straight acting. So I was like, this is making me more money than dancing. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm good at this. And so I started taking classes and just tripled down on on studying the actual craft. And then uh, a bunch of serendipitous stuff that if you want to get into, we can. But a bunch of serendipitous stuff happened, and then I got representation and uh, booked the path. You booked the path. So yeah. on the path, it just so I uh, and out of respect to our creative constraints of time here, was there like if you had to put chapters into it, mm-hmm. was there a chapter like met this person and this happened, then did this? And yeah, that yeah. It was uh, studying acting nonstop. It was uh, meeting uh, my manager, still my manager, and beginning to audition, and then it was uh, the end of that chapter was booking a lead in an independent film. Um, and then there was like a short chapter, which was auditioning for the path, um, and other projects. And then the end of that chapter was, uh, booking the path. Nice. And then Greg mentioned, are you on American Horror Story? Like what are other ways people might recognize you the most? Yeah. So I guess I was on the path and I was on most recently, uh, American Horror Story. It's like the first four episodes and the last episode spoiler alert if you haven't seen it <laughs> season eight yeah. season i eight haven't seen horror stories yeah, story. yeah. We, should we put a spoiler alert before you say that in the podcast um is that nah, sincere? I don't think it'll ruin the series. Well, if in case, if it does, there's a video that me and my friend JP made on YouTube. Uh-huh. If you, uh, YouTube, how to get offended. How to get offended? Yeah, that would be, <laughs> if you are offended, that would be what I would prescribe next. <laughs> man, what an honor. This is so yeah, cool. Thanks, I like, man. man, I love synchronicity. To me, I've heard this idea that God speaks through, speaks to us through synchronicity like, as, as this way of keeping itself anonymous. Yeah, I think so that's I'm like, fun. I wake up, I watch this guy on my phone, I wake up, he's on my front door. Let's start breaking yeah, some normal. Yeah, let's start breaking some normal. I love that. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, and if people are like, man, I want to make sure I follow this guy's adventures through life. What's the best oh, yeah. way to follow you currently on the World Wide Web? Ah, jeez, yeah. Uh, that would be my Instagram, uh, which is snarf my life. At, oh, no, that's my email. But Snarf My Life is my Instagram. Snarf. Snarf. Yeah. Snarf. Snarf My Life. S-N-A-R-F My Life. What does snarf mean to you? What does snarf mean? It's just fun. It it means nothing. Yeah. Since I was 13. It's just a replacement word. You can use it for anything. It means anything and everything and nothing at the same time. Because everything comes from nothing. Yeah. Which comes from Thundercats. And snarfing. Synergistically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kyle. Of course. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Objectivity is subjective. Chapter 13. What's working for you? 
I've heard that a tribe is a group of people gathered around a fire telling stories to each other in order to be less afraid of what's in the dark. That idea has always resonated with me as one of the purposes of our retreats. There is something very powerful about bringing people together and creating a space where we can explore that darkness. Seeing other people do things that they're afraid to do, watching them grow through the experience, catalyzes your own growth and expansion. I remember a man who was under the spell of thinking he was suicidal and thinking that he had been for the majority of his life, confidently declaring by the end of the retreat, I got me. His transformation was a gift for all of us. A woman nearly three times my age made sure to look me in the eyes before leaving to say, these retreats are saving lives. I would say the retreats change lives by giving people experiences and tools that they can carry with them when they leave. The exercise we often save for last, sometimes we do it at the airport before saying goodbye, is called, what's working for you, what's not working for you. We get in the circle one last time and take turns standing in the middle. It's a gift we give each other at the end, a final look in the collective mirror that we've co-created. Even though at this point we've only been together for a short amount of time, four days, it seems as if we're old friends reunited, preparing yet again to branch out and go our separate directions. Some members of the group you might recognize as members of your long-lost tribe, while others you recognize as leaders of their own. Either way, there's a connection. In four days, we opened up, shared, and allowed ourselves to be seen to a degree that we might never have experienced before. Therefore, we know each other differently and maybe deeper than we know even our friends back home. We create a bond quicker and more intimately than we might have done even with our own families. Even with that connection, the exercise is a little absurd. It's so subjective. That's fine. That's actually part of the point. To acknowledge one last time the crapshoot of living up to other people's expectations. Essentially, we're sharing our judgments and allowing the person in the middle the opportunity to observe themselves react to our judgments. Some of the judgments might ring true, some not. Someone might say something is working for you that you suspect is not working for you, and vice versa. The idea is for each person to immerse themselves in different and oftentimes contradictory perspectives in order to realize that at the end of the day, being yourself, being true to yourself is the only option left. Here's how it works. Circle up, one person in the middle, two minutes on the clock. When the time starts, the group tells the person in the middle what's not working for them. Anything from their hairstyle, to their job, to their clothes, to their relationships, to their outlook, you name it. We're telling that person what we see and not just physically see, but spiritually, emotionally, and energetically see, considering our own imagination of past and future, our own feelings and hopes and dreams. We are seeing with as much of our whole person as we can and reporting our observations. So imagining now that you are in the middle, here's what I would say is not working for you. What's not working for you is being under the influence of suppression, limits, and rational lies. What's not working for you is choosing to be under the influence of suppression. What's not working for you is looking up to others, thinking they are better than you. What's not working for you is looking down on others, thinking that they are worse than you. 
What's not working for you is imagining that you are more spiritual than any other person or that anything is more spiritual than anything else. What's not working for you is desperately seeking outside approval. What's not working for you is your dogma. What's not working for you is not wanting to upset your parents or your in-laws or your spouse or your partner. What's not working for you is a disconnect from the most motherly essence of all, Mother Nature. What's not working for you is ignoring that call to Mother Nature, not honoring it, tiptoeing around it. By Mother Nature, I also mean your inward nature. What's not working for you is the self-deprecating laugh you do after you say something you believe is direct and powerful. What's not working for you is the way you pretend to be more sure or less sure than you actually are. What's not working for you is working, that is, working at a job you lack passion for and which you yourself suspect is holding you back. What's not working for you is reading this book for answers instead of questions. What's not working for you is watching the news. What's not working for you is the story you tell yourself about your weight and image. What's not working for you is indecision. What's not working for you is wanting to be right. After that two minutes are up, we switch to what is working for that person. So, what's working for you is your weight. What's working for you is your health. What's working for you are all the situations and all the people that you find to be most challenging in your life. What's working for you are your skeptics. What's working for you is your voice. What's working for you is your shyness. What's working for you is your birthmark. What's working for you is your outgoingness. What's working for you is your awareness that sometimes you think you're selfish. What's working for you is your femininity and your masculinity. What's working for you is not knowing what you want to do. What's working for you is working out, working in, and playing around. What's working for you is the laugh you think is awkward. What's working for you is your integrity, your commitment to your word. What's working for you is your willingness to follow your heartbeat, especially when it leads you to the wisdom of the unknown and the unsure. What's working for you is the time you made a joker of yourself, the time you got bullied, fired, or dumped. What's working for you is speaking up, sharing your judgments and your disagreements. What's working for you is asking questions. What's working for you is answering questions or not answering them. What's working for you is the perception of opposites, seeing both sides of the same coin, such as jealousy and admiration, fear and excitement, faith and doubt, love and indifference. What's working for you is listening and seeking to listen better. What's working for you is doing these exercises in real life and realizing that it's always real life. What's working for you is practicing gratitude. What's working for you is pursuing your inward calling. What's working for you is experiencing fear around that calling. In short, what's working for you is everything. The only thing that might not be working for you is your not realizing it. You're pretending that it isn't the case, but then again, even that is working for you.